Welcome, everybody. So glad you're here. Uh, I hope you're in store as what you already got in worship. We had a lot of fun. And uh, that's, a good, that's good news. Uh, the good news does bring out good news, which you should be able to live out a lot of fun. So that's what we're here to do. And it really, I'm going to show you how it's a lifestyle. Uh, what God has done through Jesus Christ for us, he's been setting it up for thousands of years so that we would understand what he has fulfilled and provided for us so that we can truly live out a celebratory lifestyle. All right, we don't have to, we don't have to be sad. We don't have to be grieving. We don't have to be uh, stoic. We don't have to, we can be completely free and he's provided everything through the cross, through his blood, through the resurrection that took place today, almost 2,000 years ago. He's provided it. This is good news. This is good news. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some information that's a solution to all your problems in the whole world. Isn't that great? All your problems can be solved today, and I promise you, but it's a free will. It's an offering. It's an invitation, all right? So here we go. We're in our ser new series, Passover Pursuit Pentecost. Passover, that's today. That's this week and weekend. Pursuit, that's what we do when we come to know Christ. Afterwards, we're just pursuing with all our hearts. And then what happened 50 days after Passover is Pentecost. Pentecost is 50 cost day. 50 days, 50 days after Christmas. Isn't that great? I mean, after Christmas, after Passover. Isn't that great? Well, it's so simple. So it's 49 plus 1. So God actually says it's seven times, seven weeks. After seven weeks, there's seven days in a week. And it, there would be plus one is a 50, which equals 50. That's Pentecost. All right. That's going to be at the end of May. We know it as Memorial Day weekend. It's actually Pentecost this year. So Jesus rose and was on the earth 40 days. So after this, he was resurrected today, almost 2,000 years ago, and then he walked the earth in his, his resurrected body for 40 days. Ten days after that, the, the, he told the disciples to go into the city and wait for the promise. There was a promise that Jesus has for his people. And that was another festival, Pentecost, that he was pointing them to that he would, that would be fulfilled. So in that, they began to pursue him. They went. They, you found them in the upper room, and they're pursuing the Holy Spirit. They're pursuing God. They're pursuing. They're praying eagerly. Well, so I want to tell you today about Passover, and I'm going to break this down a little bit more. Now, Passover is not specifically just a day, but it's actually a lifestyle. It's, it's, it's what it repre the day represents for us so that because we have received the benefits of that or when you receive the benefits of that, you get to live a lifestyle of complete freedom, healing, salvation, deliverance, everything that Christ came to provide. That's good news. I'm building you up. Because I'm helping you receive an invitation, receive a gift that you can't earn. And I know there's many of us that think we have to earn it, we have to be good enough, we, we, have, to, we have to deserve it. And that, Christ washes all of that away. We never will be good enough. I'll never be good enough. It's just a by faith to receive by grace the things that Christ so offers uh, unto us. And that is really good news. So the pressure can go away and the joy can come up, the, the anticipation even that I get to get something, receive something just as a, as a free will offering back to me that actually resources me to be able to live empowered and full of joy in this life that we live now here on earth. That's really, really good news. I don't know if you know it. But that this time, this festival... Festival points us to the, this, this joy. This actually came in the 14th day. Passover is the, technically the 14th day of Nisan. Now, you, you've, you've probably 
heard this, you, you read this, and you thought Nissan, or somebody said Nissan, that's a hard body or a Maxima. I, I grew up in, in Longview, near Longview, and so Longview, Texas, anybody heard about it? Yeah. All right, so they used to do this thing called hands on a hard body. <laughs> you did it? Did you do it? So you would have to literally, whoever could keep their hands on a hard body the longest without sleep, without sleep. Somebody did a, a UT student did a documentary on this about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. You got to watch it, but listen, don't hold it against me, all right? It's, <laughs> I'm sitting here laughing at my people, you know, it's like, but it, uh, they had to stop it for... Um, Sad reasons, but nevertheless, Nisan is a month of the Jewish calendar. All right, so it took place on the 14th day of, my, of Nisan. But even though it's a day, we're celebrating what happened. So, so let's, focus, let's take our focus off of the day and more of what happened that provides us a lifestyle that God actually desires and designed for us to live through this festival. About 3,500 years ago, our day, our time, present time, God instituted seven feasts. You probably had heard of them, the seven feasts of God or festivals. Let me explain those to you. Uh, but that, that 2,000 years ago, this is when Christ went to the cross for us and what we're celebrating this week. So 15, math, mathematicians, you with me, 1,500 years before Christ went to the cross, God started instituting these feasts, these festivals, these parties these parties, these celebrations, so that his people would traditionally practice these festivals so that he could show them, I'm going to bring the very salvation, the deliverer one day, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and I'm setting up all these traditions so that you can't miss the one I'm sending to fulfill them all. That's good. So this is, I'm just going to give you a little information when the Lord starts to speak to you and give you direction and give you some things that he desires for you, he starts to build context first so that you can't help but to choose to miss what the Lord is saying. That's free. That's good news. Yeah, that's good news. Good, good, good job, Pastor. That's really good. All right. I get better the better your response is. So how good do you want this message to be? I mean, it's on you. It really is. There we go. Okay, one really wants this to be great. So there's three major feasts, all right? You have Passover, you have Pentecost, and you have the Feast of Tabernacles. You have Tabernacles. We just went through a series. We called it party Time to Party, Party Time, talking about the three feasts that are in the one of Tabernacles. Feast of Trumpets, one day the trumpet will blow, the final trumpet will blow, and the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will return. That's his second coming. And all things will be shifted and changed. Feast of Atonement is the second one. That's 10 days after the Feast of Trumpets. And then after that is the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, it's, con it's considered the Feast of Tabernacles, but all three are wrapped into one. That's in, the, that's in the September, October season. That is yet to be fully fulfilled, but it will be fully fulfilled once Christ returns. Good news. Now, Feast of, pa feast of Passover is what we're celebrating right now. It has the Feast of Unleavened Bread the Feast of Passover, and then the Feast of First Fruits. So I'm going to explain those today so that you understand. But in the middle of these two is the Feast of Pentecost. Now, you and I get to, get to enjoy the benefits and partake in the Feast of Passover, even though we weren't alive 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross and was resurrected. Isn't that good news? It's really good news. It gives us life and life more abundantly. So we get to partake in that festival and the happenings of that celebration, and it becomes a lifestyle for us. Now, 
Even though we weren't born or weren't alive during the time in Acts 2 when the Feast of Pentecost was fulfilled, when Christ gave us the Holy Spirit, we get to, if we'll lose control of ourselves, let go of it, yield our, our own control to the Lord, we can receive and the, the benefits and partake in the festival of Pentecost. That's more good news because that's how he designed and desires us to live out an empowered lifestyle that he modeled, he Christ modeled here on earth. He came as a man laying down his deity, filled with the Holy Spirit to show us how to model and empower and live out an empowered life. Okay, there's that. And then there is, because this is good news, one day, it hasn't happened yet as we just discussed, one day when Christ returns, we will get to, those of us who are in Christ, we will get to experience and the, the benefits and partake in the Feast of Tabernacles. We will tabernacle with God forever, for eternity. More good news. He will tabernacle with us. We will tabernacle with him in eternity. Once and for all, the atonement will take place. There will be no more sin. Hallelujah. He's removed it from us, but one day he'll remove it from the whole earth. Good news. That's going to follow the trumpets. When the trumpets blow, the trumpets sound, it's going to happen. It's going down. All right. There's a lot going to take place. Not enough time to break it down to you today. However, Jesus fulfilled the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits. Then 50 days later was this thing called Pentecost. Let me show you this. Look at why our lives should look like a celebration. Y'all with me? All right. So we're going to the Old Testament this is Exodus, Exodus, Exodus 12, 23. It says, for the Lord will pass through, that's not it yet, but he'll pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel, the lintel is the header or mantle is what they would call it, the lintel. Uh, when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses and strike you. That's pretty good news, isn't it? As, when we are celebrating Passover, we are celebrating the fact that the Lord will not allow the destroyer to come into our homes, torment us un uninvited. That's good news. That's, re that's really good news. You don't know. You need to experience that. They place the blood of the lamb over the doorpost as a sign that the d destroyer, you're not invited to my house. I'm not inviting you either with my actions and behaviors. Come on, somebody. You're not invited. In fact, you're uninvited. If I ever did invite you, you're uninvited. And this is a promise. These are promises. It's very interesting that in the, this was on the 10th, this was the 10th plague. The 10th plague that, that God sent towards the Egyptians because Pharaoh would not allow God's people to be delivered, to be set free. In fact, he wanted to keep them in bondage, but it was God's will. He sent Moses to deliver, to set free God's children, God's people from bondage. This is a picture of us before Christ. We're in bondage. We don't realize it. We think we're living a free life. Hey, I lived plenty of it. I can, I can testify. We think we're living a free life. But then one day, Christ comes into our life. It speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. This is all scripture. And then we start to respond, and we, we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, and boom, he delivers us from bondage. Good news. Good news. So every one, of the, every one of the plagues was addressing a god or goddess that the Egyptians were actually worshiping instead of the one true God. And so he says, yeah, give it up. The little, 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 
not even a year old, just giving it up, I guess. <laughs> and he says, you're not the God of water. I'm the God of water. And he turns it to blood. He says, you're not the God of animals. I'm the God of animals. And responds, he says, you're not the God of, of uh, life and death. I am. I am in control of life and death. He says, you're not the God of light and dark. I control when the sun comes up and the moon goes down. I am the God of light. So he responds showing authority of who the one true God really is so that he could prove not only to Pharaoh, but even to all of the Egyptians and to the sons, the children of God, hey, I am your rescuer, I am your salvation, I will deliver you, and I'll do it swiftly. And so every plague had a judgment. Look at this in Numbers 33-4. through 33, It says, also on their gods, the Lord had executed judgments. Yeah, every one of them. I'm going to address, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna address every one of them. In the same way, he'll address every issue, circumstance, stronghold, uh, uh, shortcoming that we have in our own lives. He will address it if we'll allow it. Exodus 12, 13 says this. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when you, or sorry, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. God said the blood will not be assigned to God or the destroyer, but the blood will be assigned to you. We'll get what God is about to do and what he's designing in this. You would think that he would have said, the blood will be assigned for me so that I'll know which house to pass over so I can make sure I don't destroy you or I don't allow the destroyer to destroy you. But he, he doesn't. He doesn't need an outward side, but sign because God knows your heart. <laughs> you can't work it and perform it. You can't act it up and you, because he knows what's in our hearts. And that's where he's trying to address because that's where he begins to make the transformation and the change. And when it's all, when your heart is all his, then he can change everything in your life. So God said this. He said, so, it, so it took faith to kill a lamb, to put the blood on the lentil and the doorpost and trust that God is going to do what he said he's going to do, right? Well, it takes faith to do a lot of things that God says to do and that he said to do. It took faith to respond well, it takes faith to receive Jesus Christ as his and salvation by faith through grace. It, it, it takes faith. And so this has been God's design since the beginning. So God was pointing, the, pointing them to see a very important truth that, it requ that required them to have faith. And I just want you to know that the blood of Jesus is a sign to us that the destroyer cannot come into our houses. The blood of Jesus on your life, on your family's life, the destroyer is uninvited. So when the, the word Passover is used, it's either referring to a festival, it's re referring to a meal, or it's referring to the lamb. So we're going to start with the festival itself because that's how God designed it. Old Testament scripture, we're going back to the Old Testament, pre-Christ, Exodus 12, 14. says, so this day shall be to you a memorial... And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. I want you to always practice this. Make it a tradition. Make it pretty rote so that you understand what I'm actually doing. Now, the New Testament through the, blood, through the, through the cross, on our side of the cross, Matthew 26, 2 says, You know that after two days is the Passover. Now, this is Jesus talking, and they're getting ready for this weekend. 
He's telling his disciples, hey, in two days, there's the Passover is coming. He says, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. There's a Passover festival that we're all supposed to practice, and he starts to introduce himself. He starts to try to bring revelation so that they can see through this tradition you've been practicing, there's about to be a fulfillment. So he says, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to, you to be crucified. So you may hear about pa uh, pastors speaking on fasting and, and seeking and that sort of pursuit. How about, how about a, a message on feasting? Like, we want a, want a message on learn, learning how to celebrate and just feast. Now, I say that in, in fun because fasting is a great discipline, and it is how we pursue. It is a way we pursue God. But he's telling them to feast because there's a reason to party that's coming. And let me just show you. In Leviticus 23, 9 and 11, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Jesus was resurrected on the day after the Sabbath. Jesus was crucified on Passover. He was in the tomb on Sabbath. Raised the day after, the day after Sabbath is the feast of first fruits. Yesterday would have been Sabbath, today is the Feast of First Fruits. This was designed, God was already telling the people, listen, I want you to do this rote tradition and bring the first fruits in to the priest so that the day after the Sabbath, which was the day Jesus was in the tomb, after the Sabbath, wave the first fruits off. So, no, so you can't miss the fact that there's a first fruit. There's a first fruit to come. I'm going to build on it. So, so now let's look at the New Testament fulfillment of first fruits, unleavened bread, and Passover. 1 Corinthians 5 7 says this Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. Oh, great, he called me a lump. <laughs> Man, there's so many comments coming through my mind right now. Focus. That you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. He's saying you're now unleavened. In Christ, you're now unleavened. The sin has been removed. The law, the, the pressure, the things that the law, the death that the law put on us because God was not trying to torture anybody. He was just trying to show us you can't do it without me in a relationship with me. And so you're a new lump. Good news. You're now unleavened. You're, he's removed the sin from your life. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, okay, they, okay. So in other words, God has taken out the leaven, the sin and death and the rope. Now, now we, we will fulfill in that the unleavened bread because he did. He's removed sin from our lives. Yes, do we still, do we still have temptations and do we still sin? Absolutely. But he removed the power and the authority that it had over us because he, because of what took place this weekend, gave us, took that back, defeated hell in the grave, and gave us back authority. Now we're building, we co-labor with him to overcome the things that so easily entangle us. Good news. I told you you're going to have the answer to all your problems today. Now we just got to do the work. All right. For indeed, it says, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Now that's two out of three. So you have the unleavened bread, and then, sorry, yeah, you have the unleavened bread, and then you have, we talked about Passover. So the, indeed, Christ, our Passover, was crucified for us. All right. 1 Corinthians 15 20. 
But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Isn't that good? Christ has fulfilled them all. We are the second. We, he was the first fruit, and we are the fruit to follow. Everything that he did, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. We are the joy that set, was set before him, so he endured the suffering. He, do, he endured. He did whatever it took so that we could have freedom. He did whatever it took so that we could have salvation. He did whatever it took so that we could be restored back to the Father relationally and positionally. Good news. So every Sabbath, Jewish people have a celebratory meal together. They even do it today. And most everything shuts down. And it's like you can't get anything done. Uh, the people come together and they party, y'all. I'm telling you, they have a great time. They celebrate what God has done. Even Messianic Jews, especially Messianic Jews, come together, have certain prayers that they pray, and they just have a good time with, it, with family, with each other. They realize that they couldn't do it in and of themselves. They realize what Christ has delivered them from, and they celebrate well. But they would take, they would take uh, three pieces of bread, one, two, three, a matzah, and, and they would take the middle one, think Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so as a tradition to point to this, this festival, the children, the families would get together they have the three pieces of bread. They take the middle one. They take father, son. They take son. They break the bread, and then they wrap it. And then the father of the house, of the Jewish house, goes and hides it away somewhere. The kids wake up the next day, and they go, and they, they go looking for it, and they find it finally. And they bring it out. They unwrap it, and they wave it to the Lord as a, as a first fruit celebration. I found it. When Jesus, on Passover weekend, Jesus' body on the cross was broken for us, for everything that we try to fix ourselves. He was broken for our sins. They took him off the cross. They wrapped him in grave clothes. They put him, he hid him away into the tomb, all by the Father's design. And then after that, after the day after Sabbath, he was gone, unwrapped as a first fruit offering. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's amazing. This is absolutely amazing. So he was sacrificed for us on Passover, and God revealed him on first fruits. All right. Now that was the festival. Let's look at the meal. Let's look at the meal. Y'all hungry? I hope you're hungry for the Lord right now. <laughs> That's what Exodus 12, 11 says this. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. He says this because he, the Lord, will deliver us swiftly. He's not going to wait around. He doesn't mess around. He doesn't need to ask you if you're good enough. He's just going to do it. He's just going to deliver us up swiftly. So he's not talking about the festival. Now he's talking about the meal. Luke 22, on our side of the cross, 15 says, then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Christ talking to the disciples. I've been desiring this. Matthew 26, 26, 28. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it. <laughs> He's performing the meals, the tradition of the meal right in front of them so he could show them, here's what's about to happen. Let me show you tomorrow or later tonight, it's about to go down. He broke, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. 
He's slowly introducing himself as the, as the lamb, as the meal. This is really good, it's, but it's going to get really weird in a second, all right? Just, just hang in there. Don't leave. This is Jesus talking, not me. I'm not making up something new. Then he took the cup and gave thanks. This is where, if you've ever, ever heard the word Eucharist, Eucharist, Eucharistio, this is the name, that's the word. He gave thanks. It just simply means whenever you've been in a, maybe a traditional church and every day or every week, they'll take the Eucharist, communion. Uh, this is what it means. Gave thanks, broke the, broke the bread, gave thanks. And then he gave it to them saying, drink, drink it, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. This is the Passover meal before he's crucified. Now, before he's crucified, three years before, I'm going to rewind time, three years. Y'all with me? You ever seen the movie where it says three years earlier? That's where we're at right now. Three years before this, during his first year of ministry, crowds are beginning to follow him. All of a sudden, they're starting to come from everywhere. Who's this guy with these new teachings? He's performing miracles. He's doing things that we've never seen, saying things we've never heard, and I don't know about him. And so he makes this statement that's pretty strong. In John 6, 53, he says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, this is pretty challenging right here. Now he wants me to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Like, I'm a little concerned about where we're going in this. I'm not so sure about what this guy's teaching. But remember, he's slowly introducing himself to the people. Now, this is not referring to communion because it's three years before salvation. It's three years before he went to the cross. But it is pointing to salvation. It's not pointing to, to the Eucharist. This is where many people use this term as a Eucharist. And literally, when they take the bread, this is literal bread. This is a literal body of Christ. No, it's not. It's literally blood of Jesus. No, it's not. But it is, this, this verse is pointing as a type, meaning I am receiving the bread and the communion, the, the communion wine or juice. We did that Friday. We're not against that. We celebrate. That's great. We did it actually three times this week. But... What he is talking about is salvation. Let me show you a little bit more. If you're reading with your, with your natural mind, it's really hard to capture this when you go through the scripture. That's why Christ invites us to ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate his words so that he can bring revelation. In fact, this is the greatest Easter egg hunt that you'll ever go on. Like if you ever, like those, those shows that are all about treasure hunts, the greatest treasure hunt is when you get in the Word of God and you start to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you through the Word of God and he brings revelation that is very, very intimate and personal and that's when he starts to deliver you from the little bondages and the hurts and the pains and the wounds that you're carrying that you don't have to carry because the answer's already been provided. Remember I told you you're going to take a little work, you're going to do some, you're going to do some things. But he's inviting us into this story, and he's inviting and using it with, with very uh, interesting detail that he wants to reveal to us. So when we, when we search these scriptures, you have to read it in light of the context of the scriptures as well. So as I'm reading, what's the context of this scripture that I'm examining right now? We just looked at uh, John 6, 53, but let's look at a verse, three, three passages later, three verses later, rather, John 6, 56. Who, who, he who eats my flesh... And drinks my blood, abides in me, and I in him. Now, this is getting really weird. Now, mind you, John 6, 6, 6 is when all the disciples, the, the, follow, the, the, the people who follow him, rather, they start to walk away. Like, this got, this got out of hand. 
I'm not eating this dude's, this dude's flesh, and I'm certainly not drinking his blood. Every, all the crowds start to walk away, but he's trying to expose something to them that God's been trying to show them for 1,500 years. The disciples, only the 12 disciples are left, maybe a small group, and he says, you're not going to go away as well? Where else will we go? Who else has the answers? So he's testing their hearts. Remember, he's testing their hearts to go forward. John 6, 56, he says this, and I'm telling you, this is a key. God, anytime there's a mystery in God's word and you're on that treasure hunt, God always provides a key in his word so that you can understand other concepts, other parts of his word. So I go looking for a key. How can I understand this? Well, I need to understand the context. All right. So the key is, here is this. Whoever does this abides in God and God abides in them. So I got to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Wait, 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 wait. Let's find more context. But whoever does this, God will abide in me. But I got to abide in him. There's two abidings here. Me, him, him, me. So how do I, how do I begin to discover how to do this besides drinking this? What does it mean to drink his blood and eat his flesh? 1 John 4, 15 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. He's just saying, all I have to do is confess that Jesus is the Son of God. I abide in him and he abides in me. It's that simple. Wow. There's a lot of work in the abiding. There's a lot of things that take place, meaning there's an inner working of the Holy Spirit that starts to reveal and transform. But he's asking to confess that Jesus is the Son of God. There's other places where it says, he who talks about abiding says, if you abide in me, uh, you will bear much fruit. Man, I want to be fruitful in my life. Well, that doesn't tell me how, but that tells me if I do this abiding, if I confess that God, that Jesus is the son of God, and I live that out, I abide in him, he abides in me, all of a sudden my life gets productive. It gets fruitful. Things just start to work out when I don't know how they're working out. Things just start to come to the surface and I allow God to abide in me and I abide in him through those difficulties, those challenges. I surrender those to him and allow him to really work on the, the depths of my heart. And all of a sudden life just becomes fruitful. Everybody wants that, right? I want everything to work out. Well, it does as he's working things out of you and himself inside of you. All of a sudden, he calls, causes things around you to just become fruitful. That's his problem, promise. But how he does it is by us confessing. How we do it is just confessing that, son, that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So easy. So good. Thank you, Lord. But I'll say to you, though, that you need to confess him publicly. Matthew 20, uh, 10, 32 says this, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. So don't try to be a secret disciple. It's not a secret service. It's not some weird, weird people group. It is a very public lifestyle. Why is it very public? Because when you truly have the joy of the Lord, when you truly have a transforming work of the Holy Spirit in your life, when you truly have considered, called him the son of God in your life, all of a sudden your eyes change, your smile change, your, your demeanor changes, your attitude changes. You can't be a secret society believer, disciple. And so you begin to live it out publicly. You can't help it because the joy of the Lord is our strength and he is within us. So Jesus died for us publicly, so we are to live for him publicly. 
In this season, so many people are trying to cope with the things that they have overcome, the anxiety, depression, worry, fear, tension, anger, resentment, the things that just came to the surface that were probably already there during COVID. But Jesus has given us an answer, a solution. He doesn't give us coping mechanisms. He is the deliverer who will deliver us swiftly from the issues that so easily entangle us if we'll allow. That's really good news. (laughs) Let's talk about the lamb. We talked about the festival. We talked about the meal. And let's talk about the lamb. Exodus 12, 21. Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. So in this case, he's not referring to the festival. He's not referring to the meal. He's talking about the lamb. Luke 22, 7, this side of the cross. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. Okay, it's coming. There must be a Passover. It must be killed. The lamb must be killed so if, so if you don't, so just so you know who the Passover lamb is, John 1, 29, is when John is entering the scene, says the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John is identifying, there's Jesus, he is, the, he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's a slow introduction, this tradition, this festival that you've been practicing for 1,500 years, it's a slow introduction to look, there's the Passover lamb, he's saying, I must be crucified, the son of man must be delivered up, he must be crucified, it's an introduction for eyes to be opened, so revelation, so that we can have this salvation. And interestingly, Passover, remind, remember, is on the 14th day of Nisan. On the 10th day of Nisan, the Passover lamb was to be separated from the other lambs so that it could begin to be prepared for, for sacrifice. On the 10th day of Nisan, Jesus comes. We know this as the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday. We know this that way. And in that moment, Jesus knows that he is to be sacrificed. He is now be, being, being set apart being divided away from the crowd because he knows he is the sacri- he is the Passover lamb. He must be separated to be prepared for sacrifice. Whew. I get so excited about this. Uh, Exodus 12, 7 says this, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel, two doorposts, and on the lintel, remember, mantle in some verses, uh, it's the header. Like the header on this door over here, the part that crosses the top. How many know, let's say if you get a rag or a paintbrush, you paint the two sides, the doorpost, and then you paint the header, there's going to be some dripping of the blood, of the paint. I'm going to paint that header. I got to put some catch paper or plastic down, or I got to be able to swipe it in really quickly so it doesn't drip. But if it does drip, So on the doorpost, in the same way when Christ was on the cross and he had a nail in one hand and a nail in the other, as if it were on the door, the blood on the doorpost, and he had a thorn of crowns causing blood on the header, the lintel, the mantle, and blood was dripping as it would have when the nail was in his feet 
they were, God was setting up this picture for 1,500 years. So time after time, wrote tradition, wrote after, after wrote tradition, they couldn't help but to see that Christ is the Passover lamb who takes away their sin. Isn't that good? Man, I love how God just divinely and by his sovereignty moves us into his best for our life. Isn't that good? Whew. Thank God that it's not all on me, and all I have to do is accept the invitation and receive his intuition, his insight, the direction, the, remember the context that he begins to bring around me when he's calling me unto himself, and he's calling me into new things, or maybe he's calling me to him for the first time. All I have to do is accept. Goodness, he takes all the work out of it. Goodness, he takes all of the, the performance and self-effort out of it. He just makes it easy, and he says, if you'll just come to me, I will give you rest. You mean if I just lay down my hurts and my wounds, my unforgiveness, my trauma, my distractions, my pains, my sins that I, I think nobody knows? Who cares? Who knows about it? He's saying, if you'll just come to me, I'll rejuvenate you, and you'll feel ever so rested. If you'll just... Allow me to be the son of God in every area of your life. I'll not only be Lord, but I'll be your savior, your deliverer. If you'll allow me, and not just a piece of your heart that you're willing to give away, but if you'll allow me to be Lord over your whole life and set you free from the bondage of the oppression, the fear, the torment, the anxiety, the worry. If you'll let me into that space in your life as well, you won't have to deal with the destroyer. I will come and deliver you away. There's places in our heart where some of us have actually allowed him in, but we're not so sure if we can let him in the other places. Can I just say he already knows what's there? Can I also just say, if we just receive the invitation to allow him in our whole heart, our whole soul, he will come in, he will do a work that you never could imagine, he will deliver you, he'll cause rest. He says that my yoke is easy, my burdens in light. Anybody got some heavy burdens today? They're not the Lord's. He says, bring them to me and I'll give you a light burden, I'll give you a light yoke, it's going to be really easy because it's easy to be with me. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to be worthy. I said you are worth it because I went to the cross for it. And so here's the invitation today. I'm going to ask that everybody's eyes be closed or whatever, be head bowed. However, you get alone in a public space. And all he's asking is that we confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And from that day forward, we choose to abide in him. He will abide in us. So as, as loud as you can hear it, don't worry about your neighbors. It doesn't matter about them right now. It's about you in this intimate moment with the Lord. He's pressing on some things already. He, he's starting to work some things. There's... By nature, there's some resistance that's causing you. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. But the Holy Spirit is just saying, you don't have to, but I sure wish you would because I got a solution to your problem.
I have the answer. And he's asking all you have to do. And I'm going to ask you to do the same, repeating after me. Father, I thank you. And I declare that Jesus is the Son of God. Father, I thank you. And I declare that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, even if you've prayed it a thousand times before, would you raise your hand? All across the room, if you prayed that today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now I want to ask that you profess Christ before men, because that's what I just did. For if you, if this is your first time today that you prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can you just open your hands right now? Because I feel just the Holy Spirit wants to do something a little bit differently. It's not going to take long. Lord, your word said, just pray this with me or receive this. Just, just be in a posture of receiving. Lord, your word says, if I come to you, you will give me rest. And I really want that. So here are my burdens. Here are my hurts. Here are the things that are weighing me down. I, 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 I come to them with open hands and I leave them with you. Would you receive those from me? And just feel the presence of God relieving you from those. And Lord, your word says that your yoke is easy and your burdens are light. Would you show me what that means? So Father, I pray and I thank you. I thank you for showing up and I pray that you continue to speak to your children. Thank you that you call us sons and that you call us daughters. Thank you that you have washed away all of our sins. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us into greater things. Father, I pray for every person in here that you do not let us and allow us to sit back and be comfortable in our lives, but to be passionate for you and truly live out this joy-filled celebration lifestyle publicly in Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a good amen, somebody? Come on, let's stand.